Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. What's going on, everybody? It's that time again. It's the Sooners Illustrated Podcast, episode 55, on this first day of February 2024. Josh Calloway, Colin Kennedy, Oklahoma, back in the transfer portal. We'll talk about that big junior day weekend. Some good things happening. Some movement for the Sooners on the recruiting show. We'll, of course, get into that. Winter workout intel. I know you basketball got a huge bounce back win in the Octagon of Doom on Tuesday. We'll break that down a little bit as well. But CK, let's first start with Gary and Hatchet. We've talked about this guy kind of a lot the last couple of weeks. It's been a bit of a, a mini saga in the transfer portal, I, I guess. I it's more of a nature of when it's happening because the portal had so much settled down, but then there was this chance to get these two brothers. I did the show on Monday with Tom and James. We talked about it. Landon Hatchett announced he was staying at Washington, but it still felt like there was an opening to bring Gary and Hatchett in. Well, before I could even post the show a couple hours after we recorded it, <laughs> Gary announced his commitment and he's coming aboard. Colin, I guess, you know, we talked about the, the player quite a bit, you know, the last, a couple of weeks, last three or four shows. But now that it's official, he's brought in. He's a 13th member of this transfer portal class. Where does he kind of rank for you in terms of the level of get in this group? Because, you know, I did yesterday the five biggest transfers that I felt like Oklahoma got 
I put him number five because he feels like a shoe in to start that right guard. Where are you at kind of in terms of what the get means? And um, do you think he'll start week one, I guess, next year for Oklahoma? I'd be pretty shocked if he doesn't start week yeah, one. Yeah, right. I, I, I think considering the context of the situation, all five starters on the offensive line leave. This was the kind of player you had to go and get. Because if you look at the other transfer portal linemen that you're bringing in, Spencer Brown has played a lot of snaps, right? But he's a he's a tackle and almost probably strictly a right tackle. I'd be pretty surprised if we see him on the left side. So he was kind of slotted into a specific spot. Mm-hmm. Then the other guys that you bring in, I think Fabechi and Weiwu is pretty much a guard. I think he can play right or left side, but he's also a young player. He was a former walk-on at North Texas. He did get named to a number of freshman All-American lists at the time, but He's going to have to adjust to this level of ball. And then Michael Tarquin, as we've documented here on the show, Josh, I think he is a veteran, salty player, but he has a lot to prove. And so, to me, you could make the argument that Gary and Hatchet is the most known commodity of this haul. And I feel like that's incredibly invaluable considering how many starts you had to replace. And look, it's not like he started every game at Washington, right? I believe he got four starts, played in 11 games last year, or something to that effect. Missed some time due to injury, which is only the real reason why he didn't play basically the entire year. I think he's a really solid player. Six foot four, about 303 pounds. So he's a little bit on the lighter side, Josh. He's going to have to prove that he can anchor effectively against big inside interior defensive linemen. Like an Alfred Collins comes to mind when 6'6", 300-something is coming at you. What are you going to do about it? But I think Garyan knows how to handle himself. And, again, we've talked so much about the player. The importance of the player, considering the situation, I think he's almost strictly the guy, when you look at this offensive line hole, that you look at and say, that's a day-one starter, no doubt in my mind. So it was a fascinating process how it all played out. But as to your question, just getting him instrumental towards the success for Oklahoma in 2024. So where are you kind of at on this offensive line now? You know, it's been, we've talked about it to death. It's been the number one talking point of the offseason so far for Oklahoma. All five starters gone, yes. transferred, obviously McCade, Metoyer, and um, um, Tyler Guyton, Walter Rouse are both in the draft, McCade, Metoyer. Eligibility finished up, other guard spot, which I'm just blanking on. Well, Kane Green, and then you had McCain why am I Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I got all five. My brain's in a pretzel. Um, they all are no longer here for whatever reason, for different reasons. Sure. But you've now added four guys in the portal, plus the guys he signed, plus guys just get older. They go into year two and year three, and Bill Beatonbow and Jerry Schmidt and all that. Where are you kind of at on your confidence level, I guess, with this offensive line now uh, moving into 2024? And they may still add more, you know, in the post-spring portal window, but as it stands today, February 1st. Yeah, I think just the addition of Hatchet alone skyrockets my at least level of optimism. I, I know confidence is the key, but confidence, in my opinion, can't be built unless you get some reps under your belt. And so I think that the spring is going to really shape how confident realistically Oklahoma should be in this offensive line. But real quick to bring in Hatchet here, like his addition alone to me opens things up for Oklahoma. 
because not getting him really kind of means you're stretched thin and you got who you got. And what I mean by that is every portal player you brought in was probably going to have to start 100%. You really didn't bring in much depth because of that. But now just him coming to Oklahoma alone, you probably start him at right guard. I'm going to write a story, at least I'm going to try to, here over the next few days of just taking my stab at the offensive line situation, what it might look like. But basically, I think Michael Tarquin can kind of be that swing tackle flex player, almost a six-man type now. He can fight for a starting role. Fabetchi can start for, uh, start for a lap. Fight for a starting role. <laughs> I'm very tired from a very busy week. But then you've got, obviously, Hatchet. I think he starts at right guard. I think Brown, he slides in a right tackle, uh, barring some sort of surprise, right? And then Jacob Sexton, we all have felt like, is going to be the left tackle of the future. And so I think if you look at it from that perspective, it, it's it's a pretty solid group. Again, they have a lot to prove. But the spring will bring that opportunity. And I'll, like I'll even say this, too. They probably aren't really done either. The, the spring window is still out there, and Oklahoma scholarship counts yeah. are still very tight. But like Landon Hatchett, he goes back to Washington. I, I think that that is an incredible opportunity for Washington to continue to try and convince him to stay. But – the beauty of this situation now is if, let's say, a guy like that maybe explores a different window, if things don't go well through the spring, then Oklahoma's sitting there waiting to re-recruit him. And something could be said to the similar sense of a lot of other offensive linemen that might be out there. Yeah, I, I know, like, for example, Josh, I, I think this is kind of interesting. We talk so much about how the spring window, often it's harder to find lesser talent. But Jeff Halfley just left Boston College for the Green Bay Packers defensive coordinator job. And for those of my college football nuts out there, like Boston College has one heck of an offensive line room. I mean, they have yeah. five, six talents over there at BC who, if any of those guys hit the portal, Oklahoma and several other programs across the country are probably going to call. So I think just the addition of Hatchet alone – when you look at this starting five, it now makes you feel a lot better relative to just what it simply looks like on paper. And if it looks better on paper, you got to assume it's going to look better on the field. Yeah, no, the, the options are there. The pieces are there. It feels like, you know, Sexton and Brown are probably your tackles, probably Troy Everett you know, at center, maybe some other options there we'll see. And then, yeah, with all the guards you just brought in, between Hatchet, Nwewu, like we said, Tarquin in the mix there, the young guy. I mean, you have options at the very least. So, right. you know, it's going to be a, it's going to continue to be a storyline. It's be something we're going to continue to watch throughout spring and certainly into fall camps to try to see how the pieces all fit together. But they've done a pretty good job. You know, you never want to be in a position, and it's just the way it worked out. You have two guys at the draft, um, three guys at the draft. Walter Rouse and McKay both finished their eligibility, but then Rame and obviously Guyton leave the draft early. Then Kane Green hits the portal on you unexpectedly. All of a sudden, you're looking at it. You're saying, I'm replacing all five starters. I didn't plan to be, but that's the way it works yeah. out sometimes. And they've done pretty much as good of a job as you could hope, frankly, in that kind of spot, bringing guys in. So we'll see how they continue to add, and we'll see what it looks like in spring ball here, which is uh, nearing as we obviously now get into February. So shifting over to junior day. Um, obviously, we talked about it a lot last week. 
previewed it. We talked about a number of guys who are going to be in town. Um, I touched on it real briefly on Monday. Uh, I left, obviously, 99% of it to be today's show when I had you on. But basically, the little teaser I gave was that it went very well. Um, by all accounts, from what you reported, things that I heard as well, is that it was a very just productive weekend uh, for Oklahoma. That has bared out the last couple of days. You yourself, three crystal balls yesterday for guys that you feel like Oklahoma's going to end up landing here before too long. I guess uh, paint a picture for all you fans on how well it went and some names that you feel like Oklahoma made some very significant progress with, uh, you know, last weekend in Norman. Yeah, I think this was a pivotal visit weekend for Oklahoma, and this staff capitalized on the opportunity in every way. I think I put this out on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. I think one of my primary takeaways from this was how many parents and recruits consistently told me they were blown away by the execution and the consistency in this visit weekend. It felt like an official visit weekend, even though it wasn't. And Josh, like, I think that's incredibly important because you go to a lot of different programs across the country these days, and it can be as something as minor as a guy waiting on a bus, but a, 10, 15-minute bus driveway turns into a storyline that's out of your control. It turns you off. Right? Yeah, it'll, it'll turn you off. And this is without Lee Davis, too. This is really this is like their first event without Lee Davis, right? And, and but, yeah. Yeah. And when you when you when you add that to the layers of this situation, for them to knock it out of the park the way that they did, incredible job to everyone on the staff and everyone in that recruiting department all those staffers and assistants who are making this operation go, they, I think everyone in that building made those kids not have to think. They could just feel the environment, if that makes sense. Because if you're thinking, there's a chance you overthink and you're actually taking away from the fact that you're on a visit and you're in mm -hmm. more of like an emotional experience. And I think because of all this, man, it, it pushed Oklahoma towards the top for a lot of different prospects. And we talked about, for example, the kingpin of the junior day visit list, Jonah Williams. I think Oklahoma, in my opinion, is the unquestioned leader right now in that recruitment. And I felt like going into the visit weekend, Josh, they were in the driver's seat to begin with for Jonah. But when you're in a five-star recruitment, every opportunity counts. Every second of effort has to be made with the utmost amount of, of, of effort to, to whatever is within reason. And I think that they provided that. And so Jonah Williams, from what I've heard, he, he had the time of his life on the trip. And he was one of a number of greater Houston area guys that were in attendance. Landon Rink was there, I think, because, again, of the execution specifically, Oklahoma – covered some ground with Landon Rink, who is being courted by the regional three, as I say, Texas, Texas A&M, and Oklahoma. And then uh, before I get to the other Houston area guys, Lamont Rogers, I went by and stopped to see him play a basketball game with Mesquite Horn, the big six foot six, six foot seven, 300 pound offensive tackle. That's got to be a, a behemoth on the court. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I told him before the game, if you score 50, I'll make you a five-star. And he laughed, <laughs> and he said, bet. 
I don't know. He didn't give me the final point total. Maybe that was on purpose. But I'll give it to him as much as I don't want to admit it. He can hoop a little bit. Lamont's, Lamont's got it down low. He had a really good game, made an impact on both ends of the floor. And I was joking with him afterwards. I was like, look, man, this is also like the first time I've ever seen you jump before. Because, you know, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, 300 plus, they aren't jumping a lot on the gridiron. So when he was getting up there, grabbing rebounds, I was like, man, he's, he's a really good athlete. But it's why Oklahoma really wants him. And this is another guy that I think Oklahoma is in a really solid position with. I'm going to have his full interview coming to Sooners Illustrated very soon. We talked for like 10 minutes or so just how everything's going with him. And I think there's a lot of layers here that Oklahoma has done really well with on the emotional side of the equation with Lamont Rogers. And I don't think that's a, a small accomplishment. And then there's the, the crystal ball trio. And I think if you, if you look at the three players that I put picks in for, I think that these guys all came to campus and in different levels were all very much interested in what Oklahoma could bring to the table. I think Kobe Sellers, the cornerback, he was very interested in Oklahoma. He had been there a number of times. This was more so about buttoning things up and simply showcasing to him almost in a near official visit setting what OU can provide for him, how bad they want him, things of that nature. Tory Blaylock, I think this is the first real opportunity he had to be around Oklahoma coaches and experience Norman in that football program and maybe some of the foundational principles that that staff is trying to build throughout. I think that really connected with that four-star running back. And then Max Granville, he went into this having a lot of questions, especially about on-field stuff. And obviously these visit weekends are about breaking bread, going through the football program and seeing like stuff they have to offer, talking, connecting emotionally, things like that. But I think Max Granville's questions as far as the on-field stuff got answered. They went through some film, things of that nature. And so essentially those three felt like to me, reasonable crystal ball picks to go ahead and put in. Now, I know timelines are gonna be the biggest questions, the sure. key here is, for all of those guys, recruitment timelines in general are always moving up, but I still feel personally that official visits are incredibly important, especially in the era we live in now where I think people forget there is no longer a cap on official visits for recruits. There are, to my knowledge, official visit caps for schools, but these guys can go wherever they want as many times as they want to. And so I still feel like that's an aspect of all of this that impacts these three. But in a world where you realistically see guys sometimes commit in March, April, May, well, I, I'm not saying that's what happens with these three, but it, it to me is kind of a late spring to summer type of feel for a lot of these individuals. And if it tracks like that, I have a lot of confidence that Oklahoma would be able to perceivably hold a lead that they've built to this point in those processes. So yeah, big weekend. Um, 
And yeah. it, it, especially, like I said, I, I touched on it real briefly there, but to the first real big recruiting weekend that you have after Lee Davis leaves, which we talked about briefly on Monday, on-campus recruiting, you know, she moves on to UCF. Um, they haven't officially announced a replacement hire. I'm sure they've, you know, they're kind of filling in that void in some way. It's not just an empty hole. But to put together a weekend that, like you said, gets such rave reviews from the players, it went so well for some of these guys. You put in three crystal balls for three high-level players uh, and prospects on offense and defense. I mean, that that's a smash. That's a slam. That's a smash hit, slam dunk, however you want to phrase it. So big stuff for Oklahoma there. And now, you know, peeling off that, it's not done. You know, junior day is not a one one and done situation. They have another one coming up. Some early thoughts there um, as they gear up to do this again and uh, try to replicate the success and bring more guys in Norman, guys who could make it the first time. Um, you can let me know if there's any overlap as far as guys coming twice, but you, feel, you figure for the most part, guys who weren't able to make the first time, now you try to do that again and uh, repeat the success for you and you know try to get some more guys that you feel good about moving forward. Yeah, and, and this is the right play, in my opinion, because there are a lot of other schools across the country who are just knocking out multiple visit weekends. I believe Texas A&M, now including this upcoming weekend, is going to have three over the last four weeks or something like that. It A lot of schools, especially within this region, who understand how important it is to recruit one of the overall prospect hotbeds in, in the country. OU, I think, came out of this past weekend and said, let's just go ahead and do another one. And so I think it's the right thing to do. I think there are big name prospects who, like you mentioned, couldn't make it to the last one that are seriously considering a trip for this weekend. And for intel on that, head to SoonersIllustrated.com. I have all the latest on that front as far as highly rated recruits who have already kind of indicated an interest in getting up to Norman this weekend. But as far as the current secured visitors, there's a couple of guys that are very talented individuals who I think are going to be interesting to track from Cooper Perry, a four-star wide receiver. Obviously, last weekend, OU had three or four wideouts, I believe three uncommitted players, and then Elijah Thomas was on campus. So OU is clearly trying to button up that last wide receiver scholarship spot available in 2025. Cooper Perry is the number one player in the state of Arizona for 2025. Very talented player. I think this might be a real opportunity to sort of gauge the interest level between the two because, again, I think Oklahoma has to be relatively selective with that spot, and Cooper Perry is obviously a player who's fielding offers from across the country and likely going to be courted by a lot of those big-name programs out west. Lincoln Cure, on the flip side, is, is a prospect that Oklahoma has been in pretty hot pursuit of since offering, I believe, in the fall. But it, it seems like OU's got some work to do here. So this weekend is incredibly key in the fact that you're getting a highly rated tight end who you probably like a lot. You have connections to. He's from the state of Kansas, and we know the staff's connections to that state. Yeah, But it just kind of feels like Lincoln Cure is also someone who, let's just say he's very open-minded. And so Oklahoma, if there's work to be done, it's got to start this weekend. 
And there's several others on this list I could go through, but in the interest of time, I won't. Again, head to Sooners Illustrated for the yep. full list. But I think in, in closing, very cool to see Oklahoma push for another event fresh off of a really effective one this past weekend. And you can see the impact that these events have, Josh, as we we now are able to quantify. Like I threw in three crystal ball picks, right? And I, I was on the verge of making a few others. These weekends are very important. And to get one going for this weekend, I think it's the right play by Oklahoma. And I think it's something that the fan base shouldn't take for granted because it's it's showing the Sooners understand the importance of these events and they're trying to capitalize on every opportunity with highly rated recruits. Yeah, and just the chance to build the momentum off you know, a weekend that went well, have another one that went well, you know, ho- goes well, hopefully. Um, that's hard to kind of quantify what that does for you to have that in a short time span. Lots of guys on campus. It goes well. They like it. They all speak to each other. You know, I mean, it kind of the way to – I don't know, just like I said, build that momentum going into the spring, like you said, and maybe get some of these guys committed by March, April or so. You know, we'll wait and see. But um, big weekend coming up. And uh, be sure to head over to Sooners Illustrated, Oklahoma.247sports.com. Colin's been all over it, been on a heater uh, as of late, certainly, uh, with recruiting intel and uh, more more to come uh, after another big weekend uh, of guys descending upon Norman. The Sooners Illustrated Podcast will be back after this short break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. New CBS Monday. NCIS! Here's where we can see them. NCIS and NCIS Hawaii return with all new cases. Double tap to the chest, one to the head. These guys are professionals. All new criminals. Violent Island, we got here. Walking to paradise. And all new crimes to be solved. If you're watching this, I've been arrested. What are the charges? Just one. Murder. New NCIS and NCIS Hawaii. Monday, starting at 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. All right, let's go to the current team for uh, a touch here, a dash of winter workout stuff. Um, I'm sure a lot of fans tuned in. Or always just dying to know at all what's going on with the current team. Obviously, right now is that time of the year where there's just there's not spring ball hasn't started yet. There's no practices. We're not getting to talk to Brent Venables or any players, any kind of regularity. They're all doing their winter workout things. What have you heard and what can you pass along at all in terms of guys who are standing out, things that are noteworthy, whatever. I'm sure uh, I'll take whatever fans will take, whatever they can get uh, right now as we shift into February uh, during this winter workout period. Yeah, it's it's one that's been very interesting to try and track these days. Obviously, I think Oklahoma, the winter workout period is so 
caught up in the headlines because of Schmitty and mm-hmm. everything you hear about the legends of Oklahoma winter workouts. But then, as you mentioned, there's not almost any availability in terms of program to public interaction. And it becomes this gigantic headline grabber that's just clouded in mystery. <laughs> and because of that, it's very fun to constantly be asked questions about it when yep. out on the road in the recruiting space and things of that nature, what this time of year is typically for. But I, I've shared a few different winter workout notes packages on the site. It seems like our VIP subscribers have really enjoyed them. I think just some takeaways from me. I think we talked about some winter workout stuff last week as far as Brennan Thompson and yeah, some water series, yeah. things of that nature. So I would say, first and foremost, all I continue to hear about is how how good this safety group is. I, I think Billy Bowman, Peyton Bowen, to Reggie Powers, Michael Boganowski, a lot of these safeties, we knew they're talented. It sounds like they're capitalizing on the off-season se- off period. And then it just, it seems like Gavin Sawchuk's having a really good off-season, man. And... I personally don't take that for granted. Obviously, he had to settle in a little bit at the beginning of the year. But once he hit that back end of the season and he ripped off, what, like six straight games of 100 yards or something Mm -hmm. crazy like that, he's clearly taken that momentum into the offseason. I know he, he tweaked a little bit of an injury, I believe, towards the back end of the year. I don't think that's really anything that's been lingering. It just sounds like he's tested well, he's worked out well, and he's been a leader, as has Billy Bowman. And so I think in general, the position groups that we felt were strong have been strong, literally, because it's winter workouts. But also, (laughs) I think there's a a lot of proof from a leadership and just overall performance perspective that the position groups that you probably feel at home are strong for Oklahoma going into 2024 to this point in the winter workout period, that's proven to be the case. Yeah. Like you said, it's a time where, yeah, we don't, we don't get anything, you know, media wise. They don't, we don't get any access or play interviews or anything like that in this time period. Um, All that, any, all that gets out in public consumption is just 30 second, Twitter clips that the uh, OU football account puts out there. But yeah, it is good to hear, you know, some of these guys stepping up to leadership roles. And we'll be sure to continue to update you, obviously, in the rest of the month. And spring ball is approaching where that uh, that availability, those practices, open practices, things like that start to open back up. So you get to see some of these new guys on the early enrollees and certainly the transfers and things like that. So we'll continue to update you. Be sure to head on over to the site. Again, gonna keep on pushing it. Oklahoma 247sports.com, winter workout intel. Um, getting sprinkled in here and there uh, on the site, and it will continue to be over the next several weeks. Um, all right, let's shift over to a little bit of hoops here on the back end of the show before we get on out of here. The men's team, Porter Moser, they went into Manhattan, Kansas on Tuesday night, you know, after that two-game skid with two really just pretty disheartening home losses. You know, Colin, you and I talked about the Texas game and what a debacle that was. It wasn't quite to that degree against Texas Tech. Talk about that on Monday. But they shot really poor from the free throw line. Defense just broke down. Texas Tech shot 72% in the second half last week, put up 85 points. You lose two home games. You're going into Kansas State on Tuesday night. Wildcats are a solid team, not as good as last year when they went to the Elite Eight, but it was a game that 
you were hoping could this be a chance for a turnaround and it's a weird game because it didn't feel that pretty if you watched it but Oklahoma won by 20 their biggest road win in the big 12 I think since 2015 they said which for people if you can't remember years that's before the final four team that's how long ago that was they went into Dr. on doom they smothered Kansas State defensively. Uh, KSU didn't score until over eight minutes into this game. Did not score. They're still on zero. Um, only a 19 at the half. You know, Oklahoma continued to shoot really poorly from the free throw line, but they made up for it with Jalen Moore being insane. Another career high for points for him. That's happened like three times this year now. JV McCollum, good bounce back performance. He had 21. This was a win they really needed, Colin. They found a way to go into Manhattan and get it. It feels like they've recoup some of that momentum that they lost in a big way with those two home back-to-back defeats. Now, is it going to matter if they don't continue to stack the wins? No, but man, they needed that in a bad way. And to go win by 20 points, again, in Manhattan, that's a place that Oklahoma historically has not played well. Um, The series record in games in Manhattan in the Little Apple is way in favor of Kansas State. But they went in there. They got a big win on Tuesday. You're right on the momentum. You got another road game coming up before some more winnable home games. The schedule's in this kind of light patch right now. That was a win they really, really needed. They didn't, you know, again, it wasn't beautiful. It wasn't a Picasso in all areas, but it was good where it needed to be, and they got the job done. They held Kansas State to 53 points. I mean, you're going to win a lot of games. You play defense like that. They needed it. They got it done. I think that's kind of the best way to put it. They needed it, and they got it done. K-State's 6-1 and one before that game under Jerome Tang all time when facing a top 25 team at home. And so you had to go in there wow, as a yeah. ranked squad, target on your back. And on top of that, Josh, K-State, too, knowing that record, they also were on their own two-game skid yep. going into that game. They were looking to capitalize on the home floor. They knew the record going up against top 25 teams in the Coliseum. And on top, like, they had never lost three games in a row. They've never lost three games in a row under Jerome Tang as head coach of Kansas Mm. State. All that considered, man, I personally went into this thinking it's not going to look good. I mean, K-State, all those numbers and the setting, I thought it was going to be an environment that maybe was too much, coming off a little bit of a a reeling slide down, obviously, for Oklahoma, but – you know, Javon McCollum had been held to single-digit point totals the past two contests. Both were losses. He scored, he scored 21 in this game on the road. I think it's a massive boost. I mean, McCollum's your leading scorer this season. Get him back going again. I think overall it seemed like the starting five just had a more complete game. And I was out, obviously, at a basketball game of my own watching Lamont Rogers, previously noted. But every time I checked, I was like, man, I – I don't yeah. know how they're doing this. And so how do you feel now about this team moving forward? What are some takeaways yeah. to apply the rest of the way? You mentioned it's lighter slate, but is there something a little bit different that they showed that you feel is worth noting as they try and obviously get back to being the type of team I think everyone thinks they should be? Yeah. Well, I mean, this is the second time now that they've bounced back from a moment where I feel like the wheels – could be falling off a little bit when they lost, you know, at TCU, at Kansas. They came back and they took care of West Virginia. They won't got that big road win in Cincinnati, and that's when it felt like, oh, my gosh, they got all this momentum, and then they lost those two home games. It felt like kind of a, a fork in the road spot again here, and they went and they got the job done. They won by 20 points on the road against Kansas State team. That's not bad. Again, they're not as good as last year, 
but they're not bad. And they've been really good at home. That's a tough place to play. And this game really wasn't close. If it wasn't just for the fact that Oklahoma's lost some heartbreakers recently, this would have been a really comfortable wire-to-wire win. I mean, they led literally the entire game. They never trailed uh, on Tuesday night. And it's kind of bizarre uh, phenomenon, I guess, that's kind of going on right now. And shout out OU Fly Guy, our VIP member, who asked me, you know, do you feel that there's any merit to they play better on the road and that they're almost more nervous at home? And that sounds crazy, but the last couple of years, it's kind of been that way. Um, these big home crowds to get to the LNC, which doesn't happen all the time, right? Well documented. Everybody knows that. Yeah. But it's like the, the place fills up and there's some energy and there's some momentum. And it, it feels like there's almost pressure to capitalize from the team that exudes off them. They look tight at the beginning of these games when the crowd is on their side. Whereas Tucson and Manhattan, while the shots weren't falling early and things like that, they were playing with a lot of energy. They were suffocating Kansas State on defense. The bench was into it. They got to a good start and they kind of rode that the whole way. They, they, they almost play looser on the road in a weird way. And I don't know how you fix that. Um, other than poor just, I don't know. I don't know how you fix that because it's so backwards, especially in basketball, because it feels like basketball is maybe the number one sport of guys playing better at home and not having to deal with the crowd being on them. Obviously, football, home field advantage with penalties, things like that. But basketball, there's always that, oh, it's a cliche and adage of like the role players play way better at home than they do on the road and things like that. Oklahoma's kind of the opposite right now. And so I don't know how you fix that, but it's a good problem to have, I guess, because you you got to find a way to win games on the road, and they did that. Jay McCollum needed that bounce back. The fact that you could go win this game by 20 when when Lo Suzan and Otega Owa both did very little, um, offensively at least. I don't think either guy hit a field goal to the second half. Um, those are two of your best players, two starters, obviously. Didn't do much in this game. I think that's encouraging. Jalen Moore is so good. Um, I ride on him a bunch, but he is so good. And he's been the one guy I think that has never had a lapse all year. Um, he's always had the energy. He's always played at maximum effort every single possession. And he has brought it every single game all year. It's been a little hit or miss on some of the other guys, not for Jalen Moore. Um, he has been a great find in, in transfer pool. I don't know where you would be without him. And uh, he was great again, let him in scoring. Like I said, another career high for him, which I think he's done at least twice, I think three times now, had his career high this year uh, with OU. So this is a really big win. I think that's, you know, big win. They had, they needed a, just a lift and they went and they got it. And now you go to UCF on Saturday, who is having kind of a so so first year in the Big 12. Certainly a winnable game for Oklahoma, chance to get another big road win. Then, like I said, you're back at home Tuesday against BYU, who's been good but not as good on the road. And then Oklahoma State comes in for Bedlam next Saturday. Oklahoma State has been the worst team in the Big 12. So you have a chance here to stack some wins, which is the same thing we were saying after that Cincinnati win, and they didn't do it. So can they capitalize this time and build on it? That's going to be the question. But they needed it, and they found a way to get the job done. So you take it, and you move on to the next one. 20-point win that felt kind of ugly, which is really – like an oxymoron, but that's how it was. Found a way. We'll see, man. I, I feel like we could turn this into an hour and a half long psychological podcast about why they play better on the road than at home. It's weird. What? what weird. What a question. Maybe man. it's like, the uniforms the because they're undefeated in the anthracite uniforms this year. And you can't There's argue with that. Weird. There's too many weird things going on with this program, man. Like, I, 
Because now you you bring the question up, it's like, dude, they might literally be too nervous to play in all in front of all those fans at home. You know what I mean? I I've never thought about it that way. It's weird. Maybe that's just a lapse in my judgment. But it, at this point, it's like they're clearly a really good basketball team. They're why do they keep team. letting? They're a tournament team. Yeah. Why do they keep? Yeah. This this current team. But even in the past, too, like they would have big crowds and they let it down. Is it just a thing where, like, whoever's in the building, they're too nervous to capitalize on the big stage when they actually get fans in the arena? I don't, I don't know. Anyways, we could derail. Gonna talk, this whole yeah, going to talk to Porter Moser. That's a heck of a question. Going to talk to Porter Moser and some players later today. It'll be on the YouTube channel. I may, I may ask Porter. Is there, you know, do you feel like the guys play looser on the road in a weird way? Let's see what he says. See what he says because it it has kind of felt that way. So really big win. They needed it. UCF on Saturday. Um, obviously, keep up with Oklahoma twenty four seven sports for coverage remotely. Not going out to Orlando. Be cool if we were, but we're not. We're, we'll hang back on this one and uh, bring you the coverage as Sooners look to make it two road wins on the on in uh, in a row. And like I said, some natural home games after that. And who knows from there? They certainly are in good position for the tournament right now to end their little drought. Having made the tournament under Porter Moser, as we go into February, they've got some cushion. They're in a good place for the tournament right now. I think Joel Lenardi has them as like a six seed right now, pretty pretty firmly in the tournament. So just find a way to keep win the games you should. Maybe steal a big one. Kansas comes to town in a couple of weeks, you know, something like that, um, and you'll be in good shape. So we'll see. But uh, big win on Tuesday night. They needed it. And also shout out the OE women's team. Want to make sure to get them in there too. Don't have James here. I'll be sure to add him on uh, the Monday show to get his thoughts because last night, I mean, number two Kansas State comes into Norman and they knocked him off. Uh, that's a crazy win for them. They're seven to one in Big Twelve play now, which again, I is beating a dead horse, but it's crazy because they lost to Southern, Southern in their final non-conference game. Um, They've just ended December really poorly. I felt like this might be a rough year. And the turnaround is outrageous. And Kansas State beat them by 20 points when they played the first time. And they beat them last night in Norman. Huge win. So shout out Jenny Bronchek and that women's team. Because uh, they look to be on track to get back to the tournament when most people thought they would not be a tournament team this year. Pretty pretty impressive stuff uh, for that program. So shout out them as well. All right, I think that's it. Back on Monday... Uh, Tom has been on vacation the last couple of days. He'll be through the weekend. That's why I covered the game on Tuesday. Will be the case on Saturday as well. But he'll be back on Monday uh, for the podcast with James and I. We'll recap all the latest on the football side, any other football uh, on the basketball side and the football side, any football news that comes along. We'll be sure to break it down and talk about it. Obviously, like Colin said, he'll be at the Shrine Bowl tonight. Be sure to wrap that up. Senior Bowl coming up as well. So any kind of drafty stuff we'll be sure to get into along with recruiting news, portal news, whatever else there is. Recap the weekend for OU Hoops, men and women. That'll be on Monday, so hope you tune in. Apple, Spotify, the website, Oklahoma247sports.com, and, of course, the YouTube channel. Great way to watch the shows uh, as well if you're into that sort of thing. That's it. Back on Monday for Colin Kennedy. I'm Josh Calloway signing off for now. We'll see you guys Monday right back here for the next edition of the Sooners Illustrated Podcast.